Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life in the Red podcast. Your host, as usual, Luke Mullen and Amy Just, coming at you after, you know, a little bit of an extended. We took, we took a couple extra days yeah. to allow for some of these uh, basketball results to trickle in. Super Bowl results yes. to trickle in, you know, allow us to have one podcast uh, right before I go on vacation, all of those things. Yeah. And today's probably our, our most basketball heavy episode yet, which is good timing. Of course, as we, we said last time, I mean, these games are getting important. We're getting down uh, to the business end, of course, of these schedules uh, for both the men's and the women's teams. Exciting games. And we'll hit on those first before we get into some other sports and a little bit of Super, Super Bowl talk here at the end. And just to start it off, I mean, Nebraska, Nebraska men's basketball, two really big wins in the last couple of days or seven or eight, nine days. It all, it all kind of blends time? together. Yeah. Uh, but but the key takeaway is, hey, teams on the bubble, don't come to PBA uh, in February because your chances of making the tournament are going down. First, it was Penn State in the, the Keisei Tominaga offensive explosion. Yeah, the 30 for 30 yeah. game. Indeed, <laughs> yes. Um, that was so much fun because uh, it wasn't just like 30 points on like a really bad like shooting percentage. He was still like, what, 12 for 18 from the floor. Mm-hmm. Um you know, he's shooting at a, at a fantastic clip from two, from three, from the free throw line. Um, he's one of the only players to be doing well at the free throw yeah. line. Uh, for Nebraska this season, um, you know, the supporting cast in that game, uh, Derek Walker and Sam Greasel, they combined for just 16 points, but it was enough. Um, you know, they uh, – Derek was – and Sam were finding Kase. I think the team in total had like 17 assists that game. It was bananas. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that really impressed me too is like, you know, we know Tominaga is great from three. I mean, that's like, that's been his role on this team for several seasons to be that three point shooter. But, you know, he, he's added other shots to his game. I mean, he's probably had those shots too, but he's been taking them and he's been making them at a lot, a lot higher percentage rate. And, you know, once you add in that, that three point, of course, you know, people are respecting that. You know, he gets those chances uh, to drive a little bit and, you know, be more of an all-around guard. And like you said, 17 assists. On the flip side, only seven turnovers, only six fouls total. So four more assists than combined turnovers and fouls. I mean, that's a, that's a winning formula right there. It is. Um, you wish that Nebraska could uh, do that more often um, instead of having some stat lines uh, that are the inverse of those things yeah. as they've had uh, recently too. Uh, so yeah, it, uh, Casey's been fun to watch, especially with his like driving to the bucket, like circus shots that he's been doing, but also balancing the threes, like against Penn state, he had one from the Nebraska logo and then against Wisconsin, he had one from the FNBO logo. It's just like, what, how does he, I don't understand. Like we've watched this in the Olympics. We're continuing to watch it now. And I am still in utter disbelief every time he does something like that. Cause I'm just like, how? Yeah. He's a magician. There's a, there's a Twitter account out there. I don't know if you've seen it that, cause it has the outline of the state of Nebraska. It, put, it puts like the cities on there. And then of course, you know, like corresponding, you know, the, the states that borders Nebraska. So when he's taking shots from the, the corner of the logo, it's, <laughs> it maps it out to the cities he's taking the shots from in real life. Pretty neat, pretty neat there. Yeah, for those for those deep three-point attempts. Can't see it on all the shots, only those three-pointers, but and following up, you know, that that win over Penn State, kind of sandwiched between two very big wins was a 
a semi-tough loss, 93-72 uh, to Michigan on the road. And kind of an interesting game because got down early, got back in it, and then got down big again. It was like kind of some of the same things we've seen all year where a couple minutes of good play, but couldn't quite string it together. And, and this one in particular, I mean, defense is really tough. Michigan did a great job carving up that that defense. Yeah, and I mean, they shot like over 60%, I believe, yeah. in the second half. Um, it's just hard to keep up with that. Um, a really, really ugly game for Nebraska that fortunately they were able to put behind them um, with that Wisconsin win. But yeah, not uh, not great. Other than KSA scoring 20-plus. Yeah, and it's like, you know, they, they shot the ball fairly well, but Michigan was just, I mean, they were they were pretty much unstoppable. I mean... Again, we've seen Nebraska dig in for some really good defensive efforts, but it seemed like no matter what rotation or, you know, whatever they tried to throw out there, I mean, it was Michigan just found a way to attack and break it. Yeah, and that that's one of those games where you wonder how much of a massive difference Juwan Gary and Ema- no Emmanuel Bandamel yeah. would have made. Would they have won, would Nebraska have won that game? I don't I don't think so, but I think it would have been a lot closer. Yeah, they would have closed again, the gap. Mm-hmm. Nothing you can do about that now. Certainly. Well, hey, like you said, I mean, a real bounce back effort and in a, in a big way, a, a really good Wisconsin team comes to PBA and couldn't quite get it done. 73-63, uh, Nebraska beat them on Sunday. And some of the same things we've seen, you know, another big game for Tominaga, 22 points. Derek Walker and Sam Griesel, of course, you know, we, we know they're not going to change, but Blaze Kata, incredible. You rarely, you rarely see a player make that big of an impact without really scoring much i mean he had like what like two points two points yeah yeah two points all over though yeah he was and it just wasn't the 11 rebounds he had two steals as well um and he's a big dude now like he's six nine six ten something like that and he's on the floor fighting for jump balls and one Obviously, didn't go Nebraska's way, but it helped Nebraska get the ball back for the next one, and it was huge. Like the impact that he had. I mean, off the bench, you know, not having played much lately since his you know high ankle sprain against Queens that had really been bothering him. Um, that game was December twentieth, by the way, super long yeah, time it was ago. A long time, yeah. Um, you know, and he'd played in a handful of games, but never for more than five minutes. And he played phenomenally in the role that he was asked of. And, you know, we're talking with Fred Hoiberg after the game, and he was like, this is what we've been practicing for, you know, the opportunity to have two big men uh, throw Blazin at the five, move Derek to the four, and that opens things up uh, for them, but also helps on defense when you're playing a team that uses two bigger guys down low in a more of a traditional uh, type of offense so it just I'm so impressed with him just after everything that has happened since his high ankle sprain those are so so tricky um, but he played through it and he played great um, at one point it felt like he played like 10 15 straight minutes without coming <laughs> off the floor yeah. which is huge yeah. uh, for a guy who hasn't had the most uh, game reps as of late. Um, but you knew he was capable of this, right? He had some really big games earlier this season, one against Arkansas Pine Bluff on November 20th of this year. So 
you know you can do it. It's just when you're dealing with a lingering injury like that that can take a lot of time to heal, sometimes things don't go your way, but uh, it did uh, for him, and he got the first game ball of the season, according to, according to Fred Hoiberg. So yeah, pretty cool. Definitely deserved, and you know, I, I was really impressed too because, I mean, you think about players coming off the bench, and you want you want an impact, of course, but at the same time, you want them to kind of you know, at least keep the same level as the guy they're replacing. I mean, he elevated things, obviously, which is why he got that game ball. And especially, too, I mean, there, there's so many good big men in, in the Big Ten that it's mm -hmm. like, you know, you, you get Derek Walker, you get Wilhelm Breidenbach, you know, they're out there, they're battling. But when you add Kata in and he, he delivers such quality minutes, I mean, it helps kind of ease that, that challenge, you know, that, that those other big men are, are taking on as well. It also helps... Uh when uh, one of those big men goes down, indeed, um, that you actually have another yeah. one to replace them. Um, Wilhelm is fine, by the way. Um, just got popped in the nose, got a bloody nose. He could have come back in if he needed to, uh, Fred said. But, you know, Cato was playing mm -hmm. so well and didn't want to disrupt the flow of the game. So that's why he did not return after uh, taking a pretty hard hit to the face. Yeah, tough, tough, tough move. And, you know, tough battles down in the post, of course. But, um, you know, I, I just thought it was a, a gritty kind of win, you know, because they were down so much early. And, you know, it, it takes chipping away at that. They had a couple nice runs, of course. But like, like I said, I mean, stringing together those minutes and those stretches of great play, I mean, those, those have really eluded them in those losses. But in this one, I mean, they dug deep in that second half. Yeah, they, they really did. Um, they were down by 17. 17. Mm -hmm. um, Fred said of all the games that he's been a part of, he's only had like seven, eight, or nine uh, massive comebacks like that. It's just, it's not something that happens usually. Yes, basketball is a game of runs, but not quite 17 points. Uh, Wisconsin didn't help themselves either. They completely shifted who they were. Um, their coach, Greg Gard, uh, called it a jack. A, Jekyll and Hyde situation, and that's very apt because that's what it was. And Nebraska took advantage of it. Yeah, and I mean, crowd was crowd was obviously getting very into oh, it. Oh yeah, and we saw that overtime period. I mean, sometimes it can you know it can go either way, and Nebraska just had all the momentum in that. Never let Wisconsin get a sniff in overtime. Yeah, uh, Wisconsin made one bucket in overtime, uh, and it was the first one of overtime, and then it was all Nebraska from there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so quick turnaround going to Rutgers on Tuesday night, very fast. And a lot of these guys have been playing a lot of minutes. So these midweek road games, I mean, they're, they're really tough sometimes to, to get the legs under you. Yeah. And going to the East coast for like mm -hmm. the third time in the yeah. past couple of weeks, like that's tough. Um, it's going to be even tougher in a couple of seasons when UCLA and USC get added uh, into the conference on so much travel. And we will talk about that ad nauseum when that uh, comes to fruition. But yeah, the rack um, is a really hard place to play on the weekend, midweek, whenever. Uh, Rutgers has taken down some pretty high caliber opponents in their building this year. So they are definitely not one to overlook. Yeah, that'll be a tough one, and and we've seen you know the splits home versus away. They're great; they're a tremendous team at home, but those road games in the Big Ten very very difficult. So we'll see what shakes out in that one. But brings us to kind of a, a big question for this episode. Um, you know, this win over Wisconsin—it's one of the best 
I would say, of, of Fred Hoiberg's tenure. You know, obviously, you look to that Creighton win earlier in the year. was a big one as well. And he's having the most successful season of his career here at Nebraska. Do you think these recent results are, are kind of putting him in firmly coming back next year? I, even before the season started, didn't think that he would get fired. I just it doesn't make financial sense. Absolutely. Um, because his buyout is so big. Um, but also, like he had just changed things, right? Like he had just made some changes to the staff, like before the season started. You know, you want one year to try to make that like work? Like no, like that's not how that normally works. Like it just one year to make additional progress. And yes, like things haven't gone well in the past three seasons, but I just feel like you need more time. Like, cause COVID that's an excuse everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. But how do you try to build off of COVID? It's just really, really hard. There's only one player still here from Fred's first year one. So like he's been doing what he can to change those things, but yeah, after the Creighton win, I thought that was cemented. Mm -hmm. And then again, after Iowa, and then after they lost uh, Bandamel and Gary, it's like, okay, well, how do you judge the rest of the season if you don't have two of the three major transfers that you brought in to help write the ship for the year? Like, that doesn't help. And then obviously winning against Wisconsin without those two. Uh, and Penn State as well. Uh Good things for them. So yeah, I don't. I don't think Fred is gonna get shown the door um, this season. I never thought that he was going to, but this definitely feels like he's got another more year. Yeah, from a another what was that? <laughs> if, another year more. Whatever. Uh, I'm tired. It's Monday after the Super Bowl. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. And I, I just think you know, from a results standpoint. I mean, obviously the, the wins, I mean, having the most wins, you know, he, he has four conference wins, 10 total wins was the best he's had. Nebraska already five and 10 in conference play, 12 and 14 overall. So you're seeing those tangible results. But at the same time, I mean, you want to see growth from the players that they've had in the program. Look at Derek Walker, look at Keisei Tomonaga. I mean, these guys have improved quite a lot. And you're looking at the system too. You know, you wonder, of course, those first three years, you know, Hoiberg trying to install his system the way he wants these guys to play. And as you said, I mean, they, they changed up things this year and they've been more successful. I mean, that's what you want to see. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I just know, like, I, I know how much Nebraska fans want there to be success here um, with this program and 12 wins isn't cutting it. Like, I get that. Like, Tim Miles was fired for way less. Like, we know that. Um, but I just feel like one one more season um then we can figure out mm -hmm. where to go from there you know if they have a pretty decent go next year um or not um but yeah making a change after changing not just the identity of the team but so many members of the staff uh, just and with his buyout just didn't feel like the right thing to do yep and I, I think we've kind of reached that point, too, where it's not like, okay, he's coming back for another year because he's got this massive buyout. It's like he's coming back because he earned it. Yeah. So that's where we are. And 
more big games to come, like I said, for, for the men's team and for the women's team, every game right now is huge. Uh, they continue to kind of be on that last four in, first four out, uh, right on the bubble, the NCAA tournament, potential NIT. And what helped them, 78-66 win over Northwestern. Another game, though, where they had to hold off a, a late rally, almost mm-hmm. lost it. Uh, so kind of going through some of those similar struggles end of the game. Um, Isabella Bourne with a big one in that one, 18 points. Alexis Markowski with a double-double. But Northwestern at the bottom of the Big Ten, yeah. not not the toughest game. That's the game you have to standings. win. Yeah. And they had those big games, you know, the, the ones that you'd want to add to your tournament resume. Illinois and Michigan lost them both. Uh, some of the same issues, but different stuff. Illinois, uh, 72-64 was the final, and that included a 20-0 run, uh, which is crazy. <laughs> We're just talking about basketballs and games and runs, but, I mean, you're, when you go down by a 20, a 20 spot, I mean, that's, that's so tough to, to get back from. Then the most recent one, on the road to number 12, Michigan, made it tough, and, you know, I think it was just the first quarter, I think they fell behind, or, mm-hmm. and it was really close the rest of the game. I mean, they just kept staying staying in it, but 80-75 loss uh, on that one. Those two losses, those are tough, but Lexis Markowski playing really well, Isabella Bourne's playing really well, uh, but, you know, it goes back to the injuries, the lack of depth, and, and the bench points, it's a real concern. What's also a concern, it's very similar, uh, to me- concerns with the men's team, 18 turnovers. Mm-hmm. 18. You can't turn the ball over that many times and expect to win. Like, it just doesn't happen, especially against a team as good as Michigan. That's one that, you know, is going to haunt them, I think, for a while. Absolutely. And as I was saying with the, uh, with the bench points, I mean, only five points off the bench against Illinois and 10, in, 10 there against Michigan – which they, they did score more against Michigan, albeit. But, I mean, great starters, great group, and they are getting good minutes from those players off the bench, but they're contributing in other ways, not, not by scoring, which you're going to need some of that to, to pull out these, these tough wins. Yeah, it just... They need a couple more signature wins here in the last couple weeks of the season because um, they are on the bubble... Like the definition of on the yeah. bubble. Uh, last I looked um, earlier today, it hadn't been updated in a couple of days. Granted, um, they were on the the twelve line um, and playing in the uh, play in to the tournament. So that's uh, that's not what you want. So gonna have to gonna have to figure things out. I mean, they've got what four games left yep. of the regular season at Minnesota. Uh, that home game here against Iowa, that's going to be really tough. And then back at Illinois and then home against Northwestern. So you know they're probably going to win that Northwestern mm-hmm. game, but the other three are tough. So they're, they're going to have to figure out a way um, to get some quality wins there, especially since Iowa's ranked in like the top five right now. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I, I look at that too, and it, you know, you, you think about having – probably the easiest game against Northwestern's at home. And then also the hardest game against Iowa's at home. Then you've got those two, like Minnesota and Illinois. You know, we, we just saw a very recent matchup, of course, against Illinois, and it was close. But, you know, you, you go on the road. I mean, if they can pull out one of those two wins on the road, that will help their tournament resume so much. And, of course, I mean, if, if they pull out a stunner against Iowa, I mean, that would uh, that hopefully lock them into uh, a lot better spot than 
then last for it. But yes, a lot, a lot to be decided in those four games. And as we sit here, I mean, it's like it can go any variety of ways. Mm-hmm. Those games, they could win a bunch, they could lose a lot, or you know, they could split. And we we could basically be in the same situation yep. you know, two weeks from now. So that's where things kind of stand for the women's team at the moment. Um, and other Husker sports, a lot of a lot of different stuff. Some quick update updates to get you caught up on. Uh, for once, not not a very extended uh, football update here after recruiting. Kind of been a, a quiet period, but as we know, Matt Rule and his staff, they they never stop working. In particular, Rule has been all over, spoke uh, at a regional meeting for the Texas high school coaches, uh, then went up to Omaha, spoke at an Omaha coaches, uh, coaches Association meeting. He's also scheduled to uh, talk in front of the Lincoln high school football coaches. So Rule's been busy building those relationships as usual. And here in Lincoln, inside the football facility, off-season workouts in full swing. Staff getting the chance to uh, witness some of that. That I think they have a certain number of hours that they can mm-hmm. watch them for. So getting to know the roster better and, and Matt Rule building those relationships. Uh, still a lot going on for football off, off, off the radar somewhat. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's okay that we don't talk about football a lot in this episode because there is not a whole lot going on. But there will be plenty of time for that as spring football gears up here relatively soon yeah which is right crazy. around the corner yeah indeed well uh, we we're officially underway for the the spring sports season as well softball uh pretty strong and very strong i should say start to the year four and one at the houston invitational scored 24 runs and allowed just one came in a 1-0 loss to south dakota state courtney wallace a few very strong efforts there on the mound you know they're they in had, the circle yeah. Oh, in geez. the circle. The baseball. <laughs> in the <My> circle. <laughs> Wrong oh, sport. Geez. Yep. Glad, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're here to, to call me out right away. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they had a lot of great veteran talent coming back. So you kind of expect a little bit of that, that strong start to the year. But there were some good teams out there. And 4-1, and one, strong showing. Who predicted that? <laughs> you did. I did. In, yeah. in my uh, New Year's Day silly, silly column. So, but yeah, I mean, that's a tough field too. So that's really promising uh, for them as they get started. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of things, wrestling, uh, continuing its season, uh, finishing up Big Ten play, uh, defeated Rutgers 27-10, dual win, finishing 7-1 and in Big Ten duels. Only loss came at Iowa, which is, of course, kind of, the gold standard of wrestling there in the Big Ten. So some big, big meets coming up and, and duels, I should say, for, for wrestling as they get into the business end of their season. And then other uh, big spring sport baseball, as I was trying to, to get ahead of myself, starting, <laughs> starting the season this Friday, four-game road series at San Diego. Uh, so we will see the, the first look at the baseball team, a little bit extended series as opposed to three-game series. And while we're talking about San Diego... Uh, quick volleyball note, former Husker setter Ani Evans uh, announced her transfer to San Diego. Really strong volleyball program. Just saw them in the Final Four. Uh, they've been doing a really great job out there. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, San Diego's really fun to watch last season. So I'll be interested to see how she uh, kind of fits in there and if uh, they can go on another run. We'll see. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if any of uh, John Cook's San Diego connections helped out that Maybe that move a little bit. Maybe I'm happy for her. You know, she's, you know, she's a relatively decent player and, you know, wanted to go somewhere that had the master's program that she was looking to go to. No fault for leaving because Nebraska doesn't have what she wants to study. So 
Yeah, and came in in some tough spots too, and yeah. and gave gave some quality minutes, and definitely I I know worked really hard, very popular among the team, so they'll miss her. But best of luck to her as her career uh, continues out there in San Diego. All right, last bit Super Bowl. Yeah, it happened. It this did. Happened. <laughs> it did. Felt well, weird not being yeah. there because I was at last year's. So. Fight a game. Fight a game. Um, Thirty-eight, thirty-five. Final score for the Chiefs. Um, in my opinion, honestly, one of the best Super Bowls of the last 10 years, you know, I mean, there, there's been some really good ones in there. Don't get me wrong, but just back and forth scoring was up there. It wasn't like that 13, three Patriots Rams Super Bowl. You know, that was a real snoozer. I mean, this was exciting action, two great quarterbacks going back and forth. Some big plays chief scored on defense, big special teams play there at the end. I mean, there's a lot to like from a, from a neutral perspective. Yeah, it was really fun. And I, I don't want... Jalen Hurts' performance to get lost in their loss. Yeah. He played so well and, like, wasn't sacked. There's two technical sacks, but he ran out of the pocket when he could have thrown it away. Like, whatever. Like, two of the best defensive teams. Uh, and yet, Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts doing their thing. It was fun for people who like offense. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean – Good, good point on on Jalen Hurts too. I mean, he delivered several throws where I was like, I mean, that was the perfect by like inches. I mean, he put it right in stride of his receivers, and then we all know, I mean, his ability in the run game too. It's like the Eagles already do a great job scheming up things, and when he's that talented, I mean, there were several plays where it's like, you know, he he just walks in the end zone untouched. He had a couple of those rushing touchdowns, burst a few big one, a uh, few big ones. Very very intelligent quarterback did a great job. Reading those defenses, both of them did obviously, and and like you said, uh, you know, credit to both of them for for battling so hard. But a little bit of controversy, you could say, something yeah. that you're familiar with uh, from a yeah <laughs> from an end of game perspective, holding these pass interference penalties. This one was, of course, a, a holding call on James Bradbury uh, there at the end. Any thoughts on it? What, what did you see? I will read what he had to say. Yeah. <laughs> it was a holding. I tugged his jersey. I was hoping they would let it slide. That should end the controversy. Yeah. Right there. He, know, he knew it was a holding. Mm. Like, you know, do you call it there? I mean, so if you, if you want to get into that point, when do you start letting it be a free-for-all with penalties? Right? Like, oh, don't call it there. Then, okay, when do you call it? Like, when is the line? And it's just you have to officiate the game in the way that it should be officiated. It sucks that it came down to that, but, like, he committed a holding penalty, mm. and he knew it, and he didn't get away with it. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes you get away with calls. We see that all the time. But, like, you can't be mad that it was – I mean, you can. <laughs> you can be <laughs> mad at anything. Um you know, he knew it was a holding call and, you know, like he admitted it and took questions for a very long time about it mm -hmm. um, in a very professional way, which would be really hard to do, Absolutely. right? Like yeah. after losing like the biggest game of your career and you feel that it's your fault. Um, mm -hmm. I can't imagine what that would be like. Um, so having a little humanity is always yeah. good. But yeah, he said it's a holding call. End of discussion. Yeah, I, I respect the the maturity from Bradbury, too, because I think it, it'd be very easy for a lot of players in that situation to be like, it wasn't a hold, you know, like, the refs cost us the game, all that stuff. I mean, it's it takes a lot to, to kind of admit that you were the one that was wrong there, as opposed to, like, these outside forces. Yeah, yeah. 
And it's not like nothing else happened in the game, right? That could have <laughs> caused true. the Eagles to lose. Yeah. yeah. So, but it is a great game. And it just sucks that an officiating mm. uh, call is uh, what's getting a yeah. lot of the attention no today. Doubt. And the the other thing, I mean, the, the field surface, I mean, it was like, bad. So come on, bad. This, is, this is the Super Bowl. Like, surely you've been preparing for this. And they had been preparing for it. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, like, they didn't do their due diligence. But, like, at the end of the day, you, you got to get the product right. And when the field, you know, the actual playing surface is giving the players so much trouble. I mean, it, 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 it took a little bit away from it, you know, in terms of some of the, you know, gameplay, I guess. And, you know, still talking about it is a little bit moot at this point. But, yeah. hey, I mean, it's, it's part of the equation. You got you to get that right. Yeah. I just, I hear Sean Payton in my brain ranting about cleats. Mm-hmm. That's just his uh, obsession with the footwear. And wearing the proper cleats is uh, will always be stuck in my brain. <laughs> Anytime I see somebody slip and fall um, on grass, uh-huh. I can hear Sean just like screaming at his TV over it. So I um, like there. W- there was a shot from like the Fox broadcast of like shoes just piled up on like the the equipment lockers or whatever. They're on the sidelines. I assume they were getting like new studs on the bottom mm-hmm. of them or switching them out for ones that had longer ones. I mean, it's probably. All hands on deck, panic on those sidelines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just, it's brutal. You uh, you can't have that. And what sucks is that this, and this, not to put a tinfoil hat on, um, NFL players and the union have been talking at length all season long about how there needs to be more, like, actual grass mm-hmm. fields and less turf because – Turf causes more injuries, especially uh, to your lower uh, to your lower body, your knees, ankles, that type of stuff. Um, I hope that this does not turn into a talking point for the NFL to see, like, well, you want more grass? Look at the grass. Like, I just, I don't want it to turn into that. Um, that's my hope. Yeah, no, that, I mean that that is a good point, and I, I don't know exactly what went into the you know the field makeup there um, exactly you know, what combination of turf and grass and, you know, whatever they put in. And it seemed, it seemed like, I, I, I do agree with you though. We, we had all this momentum all year, players very united on that cause. And, and you certainly don't want something like that to, to get in the way of it. No doubt. Yeah. Well, there are always uh, stadiums that have problems with their grass. This stadium is one of them. Soldier Field. <clears throat> And that's the other yep. one. Yeah, yeah. That's where uh, Sean Payton's rants uh, come in gotcha. to my head. Every gotcha. time that they played there, he would go on a, yeah. a big rant about how players better be wearing the right cleats because we know that this field has a lot of problems, all of that stuff. You'd see so. it it'd get, it'd get to like week 14 and, you know, it's just like dirt. Dirt, yeah. yeah. So Brutal, but... A lot of a lot of grass field discussion at the end of this episode. <laughs> I mean, look, like I'm with the players. There yeah. should be more grass fields, um, you know. But I mean, you gotta do better than that. No doubt. But like I said, very entertaining game to watch. Um, I think we'll look back on it probably in a few years' time, and I think we might remember the quarterback play a little bit more than the blown call. Maybe we'll see. Hope yeah. so. Eagles, Eagles fans definitely. 
uh, we'll, we'll remember the call. But Yeah, no, uh, I have a good friend who's an Eagles fan, and he sent me paragraph after paragraph <laughs> after paragraph of all of the things, yep. including that. So. I, can only, I can only imagine what's going on today in, in Philadelphia radio, sports talk. Oh, God. Lots in, of in yelling. Offices. yeah. Lots yeah. of yelling, I would imagine. <laughs> Lots of yelling. Yes, most definitely. Well, I think that'll uh, about wrap up our, our Super Bowl discussion. Always uh, good to, to get in a little bit of talk about Super Bowl, but long, long off season now awaits for the NFL, but USFL, I, I believe, is back. Sure. Leagues, there's always, there's always stuff going on. So <laughs> Never <laughs> for all a the, moment. For all the crazy football fanatics out there, they'll have, they'll have more to watch. It'll be coming on your TV. But like you said, some time before spring football, basketball, uh, very important right now. Uh, stay tuned, journalstar.com, have all those results. Wrestling, baseball, softball. Track. Track, all in action this week, indeed. So stick with it and appreciate all of you tuning in as usual. Uh, for Amy Just, I've been Luke Mullen. Thanks for listening to the Life in the Red podcast.